Hi, and welcome to the Cosmic Cafe, the companion podcast for thecosmiccircus.com. We have a very special double interview today with Steve Loder and Rodney Cloudon from Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Enjoy! First of all, thank you both for being here. Um, I'm Angela Ruby. I'm a writer for the Cosmic Circus. Um, I'm really excited to, to chat with you. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about yourselves uh, first before we before we start? Sure. Uh, I guess I'll go first. I'm, uh, I'm Steve Loader. I'm the executive producer of Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. I'm Rodney Cloudon, the supervising producer on the show. Okay, awesome. So first of all, congratulations. I think I saw that the new trailer has like, I guess it's not new, but the trailer has like 8.4 million views. And I'm pretty sure like a couple hundred of those were my daughter. So congratulations oh, awesome. on that. Thanks thanks to her. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just want to talk about the show a little bit. You know, what is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur for folks who are not familiar with the comic book or who somehow haven't seen the trailer? You know, what, what, what is it about? Sure. Um, the show is about Lunella Lafayette, one of the smartest characters in the Marvel Universe. She's a 13-year-old super genius. Um, and she creates this portal device um, and unintentionally opens up a portal dimension. And through it walks a giant red dinosaur named Devil Dinosaur. So naturally, when you have a giant dinosaur in New York City, you partner with him to fight crime, to protect the Lower East Side. That's what I think anyone that would get a giant red dinosaur would do. Really? So she becomes New York's newest superhero, uh, defending the Lower East Side and, and just protecting everyone. Um, so, you know, what was kind of the inspiration to bring this to TV? Because what, you know, it's it's been a comic book. Why this show? Um, okay, well, uh, do you want to take this one, Ron? Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> Actually, you know, that's uh, all thanks to Lawrence Fishburne. You know, it all started with him. You know, he's a big comic book guy, which, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't suspect. But he saw this uh, in uh, his comic book store and uh, he's like, you know what? This looks like this needs to be done. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to make a show out of this. And, uh, you know, he basically got in contact with Disney and he had his... Um, and his partner's producing partner from his company, Cinema Gypsy, Helen Suglin, they got together and got contact with Disney. And, you know, when you get a call from Lawrence Fishburne, you take it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they said, you need to do this. This needs to happen. And Disney also saw the potential in, a, in the property and was like, yeah, let's let's make this happen. Now, how did you, you know, how did you both kind of get introduced to it? Were you fans of it before? You know, was it that call from Lawrence Fishburne that you just, you know, you, you couldn't say no to taking? Um, how did you find out about it? Well, yeah. Um, so I, I I personally have a, a long history of strong female protagonists. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a producer and director on Kim Possible. Yep. Um, I directed and wrote um, Tinkerbell and the Legends of the Never Beast. And Lawrence was familiar with my work. 
and really enjoyed it and thought, oh, okay, you know, I really want to make this, you know, a, a very strong female protagonist series with a really strong visual sense and tons of music. And he thought of me and said, oh, I think this, this guy might be a good guy for it. So we got in contact and almost immediately we had a, a shared vision of, of what the show should be like um with the same inspiration because i grew up as a huge comic book fan as well so we had a lot of references in common um and yeah once we had like kind of a big discussion about where we you know wanted this series to go and what we wanted it to look like i think we were just kind of off and running from that point on yeah and then steve just called me that's how I found <laughs> but I, yeah i remember seeing the comic book in the comic store and i yeah i, I was uh familiar with it and uh being a comic guy and then getting the call that they're doing the show but oh yes definitely let's get let's get it cracking now you know you mentioned uh, steve you mentioned the art art style a little bit and you know i got to see i think the first two episodes and it's like it's so striking and so just um like so, so visually appealing and i just want to talk about figuring out um that art like that style and and what your inspirations were you know both of you what like what inspired this um the look of the show what inspired you know just the animation style of the show because you know it seemed like a little bit of spider-verse I don't know absolutely yeah I think that it's it starts with the fact that both Rodney and I grew up in New York City mm -hmm. um and we grew up there at a time uh before gentrification kind of took over so it was kind of the idealized of New York City where it was really creative and vibrant um so a lot of the inspiration of the overall art style kind of came from that and I'll, I'll speak to to kind of the overall graphic look of it and where we kind of went with that is we were inspired by New York artists, the Andy Warhol and the screen printing process and Basquiat. And also we looked at a lot of the murals that were up in New York City at the time. But I think a primary inspiration for both of us was graffiti artists mm -hmm. because we were kind of also growing up around the time when graffiti artists were really turning into artists and, and being recognized as, as true artists of New York City. So I think a lot of the visual inspiration came from that. Yeah, and we really wanted to lean into just representing New York visually mm -hmm. in the most authentic way and the most cool way because, you know, New York is in certain instances and the shows are like really clean, but New York's not clean. It's gritty. It's got edge and texture. And we also were inspired by just the, the graphic style of comic books. So you see the the with talking about Andy Warhol on the screen printing, and you see that kind of offset thing going on with the textures and color blocks, and and also that it's a comic book. How do we want to represent the comic book? So you have a nice inky line style and graphicness of the characters. So you have that fine balance of the comic book aspect of the characters and a little bit of that old school look with the backgrounds and you kind of have it working together but not competing with, against each other now you know in addition to the art the music is just amazing and i have a bunch of questions about the music um can you talk about you know kind of the process of pairing it up with the art on the show you know do you do you know the music beforehand that you want to do um you know I, I have a lot of questions about that but i'll just start with that <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we're excited to talk about the music. It's such an important part of the show. Um, our music executive producer is the legendary Raphael mm -hmm. Sadiq. Um, Raphael's career has ranged from his group Tony, Tony, Tony in the 90s to all of his producing and his composing of his solo works. He's Academy Award nominated. He's, he's absolutely amazing. And I was so fortunate to kind of get him on the show. Uh, and I was also really fortunate to see his working process because what he... He die, he dives deep into the scripts. He wants to know thematically, okay, what is this entire episode about? Mm -hmm. um, where does the song take place? And what are you trying to tell with this song? So even before he puts any, any notes down or any lyrics down or anything, he really wants to get into the heart of why that song exists in the episode and what he can do to further the narrative and just kind of elevate the entire episode. Um, so I really love the, the deep thinking that he goes into it. And then as far as genre goes, it's, you can throw anything his way, any, any bizarre notion of, oh, it could be in this style, or maybe we fun to do this. And he just snaps right on it and just understands he gets it. He, he excels at it. Um, and it's, it's just amazing. And it, it, it's, 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 it's almost become the type of thing where you, you just want to keep expanding the musical style box of the show, just, just to see how Ray translates, you know, this into something, some new musical sound that you've actually never heard before. And it really helps with the visuals because each song and the visuals, they work hand in hand. Either you're inspired by the song or the song inspired by the visuals. And, and with that, you know, you're mixing genres, jumping to genres, but you're also with the visuals, you're jumping visuals, genres also. So there's a lot of influence of just doing different animation styles, different looks for what we call the mixtape moments, which deal with the theme of the episode. And then we kind of do a visual What's our visual interpretation of that, or even mm -hmm. just a visual interpretation of doing something that is really different from the show base show style? So mm -hmm. it's and we play a lot, a lot with that too. So you know, we get the inspiration from many different uh, things where you, graphic styles. Now I read that. Um, I think I read that the pitch for for Raphael Sadiq to to join was like at the Amiibo Awards. Now, was that something, you know, you had kind of planned in advance or was it, you know, you you saw him and you, you know, just took a shot because- Well, like... yeah, actually it was, it was at Amiibo Records in Hollywood. Oh, okay. Um, so, so what happened, so it's, it's a crazy story. So when, cause I was such a huge fan of Raphael Sadiq's prior to the show. And when this, the opportunity to work on this show came up, I thought he's the only person that can do this. But everyone thought, well, he's he's a working professional musician. Mm -hmm. He tours, he's working with John Legend producing this album, and he's on this show. And so they thought, I don't think he's going to be able to do this. But I always like the personal touch when you're trying to bring someone onto a show to kind of give them the full perspective of what you're trying to pitch. So uh, he had a record that had just come out at the time, Jimmy Lee, which is a fantastic album, by the way. And he was doing a record signing at Amoeba Records in Hollywood. And I thought, okay, this is a good opportunity. So I got there early. I was first in line and I had my record. And as he was signing my record, in the, in the 30 seconds he was signing my record, I was pitching him the show. 
And by the end of him signing my record, we had a handshake deal and he wanted to do the show. We we kind of locked the deal in place on that on the spot. Um, because he saw the potential of the show and he saw like, oh, this is this is something mm-hmm. really exciting. It's something he hadn't done before. Uh, he hadn't done any music for animation before, but he loves animation. So it felt like, well, this is something that because he Ray also loves to try new stuff. Mm-hmm. He loves to really kind of expand, you know, his musical world. So this was something that excited him. And also, I think that he was he was really drawn to the fact that we were doing these stories that were also they weren't just kind of surface stories. Mm-hmm. They thematically were really deep. They were though Lunella Lafayette is a 13 year old she has very relatable emotions to everyone and every episode that we would focus on we would focus on a specific aspect of a personality that's very relatable this episode's about jealousy this episode's about impatience and i think ray recognized that oh musically he could do some really deep lyrical Mm -hmm. stuff based on these very relatable human emotions so i think he was drawn to all of that but yeah i mean you can find me and rafael sadiq in amoeba records fairly often so it was just, it was just, it just all came together in a great way. So just imagine that encapsulated in thirty seconds. Just imagine what that pitch was. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I practiced it before I went into that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was refined. I'm so glad it worked out. Um, so you know, you mentioned a little bit about the storylines, and you mentioned that, um, you know, kind of how deep and how relatable some of the emotions and the storylines are. And you know, I'd love to talk about that a little bit. I, I, you know, what can you tell us about for both of you about season one and kind of um, Lunella's journey and you know what she's going to encounter? I know they're the Beyonders, like Lawrence Fishburne's character, the big villain, and you know, I don't know anything else you can share without being too spoilery. <laughs> yeah, you know. You're going to see a lot of just Lunella's journey as a person and, mm-hmm. and coming into her own as a person, but also as a superhero. And, uh, you know, and the fact that she is a 13 year old young girl who just happens to be a superhero, you know, so she's going to be dealing with 13 year old girl problems, you know, mm-hmm. making friends, you know, uh, and just dealing with things that are very relatable and that's the idea is like you know she's a 13 year old she's a black girl mm-hmm. but not just because she's a black girl but she's everything that she's doing is also related to anybody mm-hmm. relate to that so we wanted to just have that aspect of it in, into uh in our show absolutely yeah and like rodney said it's a 13 who happens to be a superhero that was such an important thing for us because it was the human relatability factor mm-hmm. that really does draw an audience in and makes you fall in love with characters and and for this show i was super fortunate because i had worked in tv for a long time but then i briefly went to features for a while and features kind of has a very different uh methodology of of storytelling and mm-hmm. scripts uh, and even coming up with ideas for stories. So when I came on to this show and I came back to TV, um, I was able to kind of bring some of those notions with me of cinematic storytelling. And I brought with me a couple of feature writers that I had worked with, Kate Condell and Jeff Howard. And we were able to kind of look at this through kind of a different lens, a very cinematic lens, where every episode felt 
like a movie in a way where it wasn't just okay this some fun stuff happens and we've filled out 22 minutes each episode really does feel like it's it's you're building a character you're building a human mm -hmm. being who's experiencing all these motions and by the end of you know this season she will have arced and she will become even a more fully realized person by the end of this and for Lunella we start her in a place where she's so smart that maybe she has difficulty relating to other people in a lot of ways so maybe she's a little bit of she's alone in a way and she meets her first friend in the first episode Casey and you kind of see her develop as a human being as as she becomes just more and more of a well-rounded person it's a very cinematic uh sensibility to go into but I think we've we've benefited a lot from that type of storytelling and just for the the common thread that's through the the episodes is that it's about family mm -hmm. the importance of family the importance of your community protecting your community and the choices you make that can affect both you know so Lunella learns from her her mom you know that one girl can make a difference you know and if that message resonates throughout the whole series and the importance of protecting your community and the choices that I mean, she made a choice to become a superhero to to it was not thrust upon her mm -hmm. she made that conscious decision that i'm going to do something about that so that you hope that that inspires more people to have that outlook and thought process of of taking care of your community you don't necessarily have to be a super smart genius 13 year old superhero but there are ways that you can do that to help I think it's so inspiring. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned family too, because I wanted to talk about that a little bit first. My my daughter actually had a question when she saw the trailer a number of times. She wanted to know if Lunella's parents knew that she was a superhero and she wanted to know if if they would find out. So I, I had to ask that because she wanted to know. And I don't know if you can share that without it being spoilery. Um, if not, it's okay, but I had to ask. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it does, it does feel like, you know, that we, we want to tell, you know, really interesting stories and it does feel like that's that what a fascinating story that would be and how <laughs> the family would react to that. So, I mean, all I think we can say to that is continue to keep watching Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and find <laughs> out. Okay. Um, and I know we're running short on time, but I actually also have a question about the guest stars. So I saw that recently, um, I think Lunella is going to be, uh, the character is going to walk around Disneyland in California. Yeah. yeah. And in, in the article about that, I noticed some guest stars and I want to ask about two, three of them actually. First, I saw that Mae Jemison is a guest star and yes. that's amazing. I'm a space nerd and just like, can you share what anything about her character? What is she herself? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. It's not. I'm not pausing for spoilers. I'm. Mm -hmm. I'm. I'm pausing more for for angle because yes, she is playing herself, but she's not playing herself. Oh. And that, that is. I know that's the most cryptic answer. Mm -hmm. of <laughs> but it it makes totally sense when you see the episode. But yeah, I mean, Mae Jemison is a huge inspiration to to everyone, and of mm -hmm. course, it would be to Lunella. So when Lunella has an opportunity to kind of interact with Mae Jemison in some capacity, she does. But I think it's going to be a real interesting way to see how she does it. And now also, I think I saw Colby, Kobe Smulders and Mae Kalamway. Now, can you share anything about them? And are they, you know, 
Well, I yeah, Colby <laughs> Smulders, yeah, she's in the show. And uh, <laughs> I guess you, maybe you can put two and two together. But uh, <laughs> just watch the show and I guess you'll find out. And I, I you know, May is, is is playing a character in our show. <laughs> no, I had to ask. I had yeah. To ask. yeah, it's like it's like we would love to share more, but yeah. we also, uh, you know, we love that yeah. the audience discovery of these characters. I mean, I think that across the series, we we have a really uh, rich set of of Marvel legacy characters mm -hmm. and original characters, and every every character we bring into the show kind of points and reinforces the thematic uh, notion of what that episode is about. Uh, and so because of that, we have a lot of deep cut Marvel villains and mm -hmm. characters that you you would be surprised to see in, in any animated form, maybe at this point. So uh, because thematically it, it fit in, it made a lot of sense. I think Marvel was very excited for us to be able to kind of reincarnate some of these characters <laughs> that may not have been around for a while. You're like, hey, how about this person, this person? You're like, I've never heard of this person, but yeah, let's make them cool and then and make it into our own style. And, and what's what we also about just going back to the Mae Jemison aspect of it is that, you know, Lunella is smart. Mm -hmm. She's one of the smartest per people in the Marvel Universe. So, you know, science, STEM, that's important. And I think it's important to have that showcased, especially with it comes to girls, especially young Black girls to see mm -hmm. that. And we also like to throw in little asides of of mentions of uh scientists important scientists and things like that so that you know it when she references them or you know maybe somebody will google and learn something about somebody they'd never heard of before i think that's just fantastic um now I, again i know we're running short on time is there anything that either of you kind of want to share about the series um i feel like i could ask you questions about animation and you know how you both got into it all day but um anything about the series that we haven't talked about that you want to share? I think that um, an important thing for us is to make something that feels four quadrant. Four quadrant mm -hmm. is an industry term about basically it being able to appeal to an entire family. Um, and that was really important to us that, you know, it's not just the type of show where, you know, you can put your kids just in front of the TV and leave the room. It just felt like there's, there's a lot of vested interest for parents to watch it with their mm -hmm. kids. I think that they'll find it very entertaining as well. And I think that there'll be some really good discussion points after each episode to kind of talk about, um, so I think that it's going to be something that everyone enjoys. We made sure that there was a lot of comedy, there was a lot of action, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of great music. Um, so hopefully it kind of brings everyone to the show because I really do think that they'll enjoy it. Yeah, we just wanted to have it entertaining as well as educational and informative and, and spark whatever conversation. Because I know that I enjoy like when I watch things with my son and mm -hmm. I kind of explain, do you know what that means, you know, or do you want to talk, do you understand that, you know, and, and, and really go into the conversations about what gentrification is and how, and what, how you can't be everything to everyone. It's okay to say no sometimes, you mm -hmm. know, so it's those, those lessons and, and other things that I can't talk about, but uh, <laughs> we want to make sure that that comes across and it makes it, makes it easier for parents to talk to their kids about certain things. 
I think that's, you know, from, from the episodes I saw it, it does, it's a great venue, like a great vehicle for that. So I'm, I'm excited for it to be out and it comes out on February 10th on the Disney channel, right? February 10th on Disney channel, February 15th on Disney plus. Well, thank you both so very much. I'm very thankful and appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you. This is great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find the companion article for this podcast, along with all the other news for those who like superheroes, science fiction, and fantasy films, TV shows, and other media at thecosmiccircus.com. Have a great day.